Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto and we are the co-founders of All 22. Guys, combine season is here. Ray, tell me a little bit about what you love about combine season. Yeah, um, I really like the combine. I feel like in in recent years, like there's been like this kind of sentiment like, oh, the combine is like overrated and, you know, tape trumps all. And yeah, of course it does, right? But I like to just see how players just move right like sometimes we make this process like really complicated and when you really think about it at its core this is basically like starting a game of pickup in the parking lot and just picking the guys that are like the biggest fastest strongest right that you think are going to give you the best chance to win and the combine really kind of gives you an even playing field to see how guys move and what their strengths and weaknesses are uh just athletically right it's yes it's just one part of the puzzle but it's a huge part of the puzzle and, and I, you know, I just love that part of it and, and really enjoy every aspect of it, especially since, you know, it's early March and there's some football games going on. So of course I'm going to dive in and take all the information I can from it. Dude, I agree with you. Cause it's, it's great to get like that apples to apples comparison, but then you see like these like dumbass drills, like the one with the quarterbacks, just throwing a ball up against the wall to see how hard they can throw it. <laughs> that is the worst thing I've seen in the combine. I, I, I think it's new. I haven't seen it before. But, oh, my God, it's awful. And there's, there's some other ones, too. But, yeah, some of them just make you scratch your head. But, yeah, it, it is fun. It is kind of like what you're saying, like that schoolyard, see who's the most athletic. It's kind of fun. The three of us, I feel like, always got picked last in that scenario, but always, like, you know, kind of showed them why they, everybody was wrong. But, yeah, right. school's fun stuff. It's, it's more for the fans, right? Like, it's, it's almost like a, an event made for the fans to give you, like, something just to look forward to. Because it's really, like – the biggest part, like, you know how fast somebody's going to be relative. Like, Anthony Richardson's going to be the fastest quarterback. Like, we already know that stuff, right? Yeah. But it's like the conversations happening behind the scenes that we don't get to be a part of or see or listen to that probably makes the biggest difference. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. And we totally enjoyed it. And uh, Thursday was defensive line linebackers. So let's jump in there. Let's talk about what guys we thought were, you know, we were the most excited to see perform. Uh, starting defensive interior edge linebacker, what guys were you excited about? So I'll start on the edge, and I was excited to see um, both Will Anderson and Nolan Smith. They're, those are kind of like the consensus top two guys, right? I think in many all-22 rookie drafts uh, and startup drafts this this upcoming summer, uh, those are going to be some pretty popular names. And I kind of wanted to see, um, you know, how, how they how they performed and and, you know, what I can glean from that. And I think there's still one, two uh, in this class. I think they're the clear one, two in this class. I don't follow too many uh, sort of projections as far as like mock drafts early on, you know, in like January, February, because things change so much. But apparently there was like some sentiments about like Nolan Smith being projected like late first or early second leading up to this. And I've always thought that's just absolutely crazy. 
Uh, I think he's a super great prospect. He wins in so many different ways. And when you watch him at the combine, he pretty much validated all of that. Uh, you know, tested really well, super explosive, obviously fast. You kind of expected it, right? He's got the pedigree. Um, and so now it's like, now everyone's like, oh, well, now he's in the first round. I'm like, he wasn't before? Like, what were you watching that he wasn't before? Uh, and so between him and Will Anderson, I think it's so much closer than a lot of people are, or at least have made it out to be, at least in my eyes. And if I'm alone on that island, then, then so be it. But I was really excited to watch those two guys, and neither of them disappointed. So I guess I'm going to kick it off with some of the low-hanging fruits, and I'm talking about the top edge guys, but it's a valuable position. People are going to be drafting them in their drafts this season, so might as well start with them. Sounds like you were alone on one island in specific, which was taking Nolan Smith maybe above Will Anderson. You want to dive into that a little bit, Ray? Because that tweet yeah. will say it came from the, all three of us, but like mainly Ray. Oh, yeah, mainly me. Um and the keyword was maybe, right? Because it is still March, as we record, it's March 5th, right? So, you know, I'm still going to continue to do my deep dives or whatever. But Nolan Smith wins in so many different ways. I feel like there's a very surface level sort of view of him early on where it's like, oh, he was injured, doesn't have the production of Will Anderson. He doesn't, he doesn't have that, you know, that many sacks. So he's clearly not the top guy. But when you watch him, he wins every single possible way. He wins with speed. He bends around the edge. He dips his shoulder really well. And that is the rarest trait. And to me, one of the most important traits for any pass rusher is to actually have the flexibility to dip under those tall offensive tackles and turn the corner and get to the quarterback. And Nolan Smith, so far, is the only guy that does it at a high level in this class. There's a lot of athletic edge guys who win in many different ways. Nolan Smith is the only one that has that twitch that does it and wins in that way. Will Anderson is also phenomenal, right? He also can win in so many different ways, but he doesn't have that next level bend and athleticism that I think people just assume he has because he's been the top guy for several years now. He wins with his hands. He's super polished. He's strong. He's smart. He, I mean, he's, he's a great player, but I don't see that next level sort of athleticism that can take his ceiling to the guys that we talk about when we talk about the elite defensive ends in the NFL and in our game. Um, I don't see that part of it. So it's like, oh, this guy's definitely going to be a very good player for a very long time, but is he ever going to be elite top three? I'm not saying Nolan Smith is, but he has that trait that those top three elite edge guys have. And he is not getting nearly the amount of credit that he should for it. People are just saying, oh, you you know, he's, he, he tested well, he ran fast, but, and it's like, no, he's got all these other traits and tools too. And you see it on tape if you actually watch him. So if I'm alone on that island, so be it, whatever. But Nolan Smith, he might not be the edge one in this class, but if he's anything after edge two, then people are bonkers. So interesting kind of the way you've, you've, you've talked about that because, you know, like one of the things you're talking about, or you're, you're talking about how maybe he has traits that can make him a top guy in the league that maybe some of the other guys don't. But in reality, when you look at the top guys today, and we're talking about combines, so let's, let's have some fun and just kind of concentrate on that. When you look at the Bosa's, when you look at the Watts, when you look at Chase Young, when you look at the Miles Garrett, those type of guys, I don't think there's a single edge in this class that is one of those guys. Nolan Smith's not one of those guys. Will Anderson's not one of those guys. From a size, speed, 
standpoint, when you're looking at combine numbers, I don't think any guy in this edge group is one of those guys. That being said, I think there are eight guys with a first round like projection after watching the film. That's what I've kind of gathered, but none of them are that guy. Like, do you guys disagree with that? Do you think there is somebody in that group? Obviously, Ray thinks Nolan Smith, but I think there was one guy that we didn't see that like maybe, maybe could have put himself in a in a in that kind of conversation, which was Miles Murphy out of Clemson. He like tweaked his hamstring that Wednesday night before, which was really disappointing because I wanted to see again like that apples to apples comparison. And I kind of go into that later when we talk about like some disappointing things from from the combine. But the guy that I was really excited to see was Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. I know, like, all right, so. Somebody I kind of pegged before the combine. You guys remember, like, I was a big Darren Lee guy back when the Jets took him, which, like, something I'm a little ashamed to admit. <laughs> but, and I'm probably going to make the him. same, yeah, I'm probably going to make the same mistake <laughs> here, but, like, I really like Trenton Simpson for the same exact reasons I like Darren Lee. Like, this is a guy that covered the slot at times at Clemson. Um, I love, I love speedy, rangy linebackers. Like, give me as many of those guys as possible. So, yeah, he was somebody I was super excited to see, and 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 he backed it up a little bit too with his uh, with his combine performance. Sure, I think the only people I'll add is uh, some of the defensive interiors. Like it's been it's been a few years of just disappointing interior classes, and for the first time maybe since like Quinn and Williams, there's a guy that is supposed to be that level of good, and they're saying Jalen Carter is supposed to be even better than that. Like he's he's the best defensive interior prospect we we maybe have seen in a really long time. Um, he, obviously. He didn't perform stuff going on with him, but there are guys behind that too, like Kalijah Kansi and Brian Brisey, Brise? I don't know how to say his name, but anyway, guys that I'm really excited about that I think could have that like top 15 pick in them. Like they're that good. Um, and I was really excited to see what they did. So um, with that, let's, let's transition. So we talked about which guys we were most excited to see, which guys uh, impressed you the most uh, on Thursday. Oof, there were uh, actually quite a few, um, but I'm going to actually start with the name you said in Brian Brissy, because if if you watch him, it depends when you watch him, when you watch him, right? If you focus on 2021 film before he tore up his knee, phenomenal, phenomenal player. By the end of September 2021, if he had come out for the draft and didn't play a snap more, he was for sure top 15 type pick. Then, you know, he tore his, tore his knee, uh, had a ton of, you know, issues this past year, then coming back from the injury and then sickness uh, and then some family situations going on. So he was definitely not the same guy. You see it. I mean, he's playing with the knee brace. You don't, you didn't see that same explosion. So uh, it, it was, I think this combine was super important for him. And then when you actually watched him in the drills, he looked, he looked really good. He looked like he was getting back to form that, that, plus athlete that we saw as a defensive tackle when he was a freshman and early on in his sophomore season, we saw that coming back. And so I think he really helped himself. And I was, I mean, it's super awesome to see for, you know, for someone who's been through what he and his family have been through, it was great to see. And I'm, I'm super happy for him. And it, like I said, he was very impressive and definitely I had a lot of concerns with him. And I guess you still do, right? The medicals are another big part of the combine. You know, they check out uh, the knee, all your different ligaments and tendons and all that good stuff. Uh, but if the medicals check out based on how he looked on the field, he definitely helped himself. Yeah, he did. And uh, that's, that's why I mentioned him. He, he really performed great. Um, 
I'm hoping he did like cement himself in at least like the top 15. I know earlier on people were saying he's top 10, but because of maybe the disappointing season he had, he was slipping. Like I've seen him go all the way 31 to the Chiefs, um, but I think he's good enough. And this combine performance was special enough where he's going to he's going to rise back down. Um, Kalijah Kansi, I just want to talk about him for a second because he's a guy everybody's, you know, giving that Aaron Donald comp because he's 6'1", 280 pounds. He ran like a 4.64 really fast, but he wasn't as long as Aaron Donald. And uh, I think that that's important. So like I'll say, he might even be more Ed Oliver than Aaron Donald. Like I think when I watch his game, I see a little bit more of that than Donald. I think Donald is just so much more explosive and strong. Uh, I don't know if Kansi has that, but you know, Kansi's his own guy and I think he's gonna be really special too. Um, And I was really impressed to see what he did. I guess I'll stay on the D-line. I wasn't really gonna do that, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) And I guess uh, a little different from you guys, maybe I went outside of the first round here, probably did. Um, but I really liked Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma, like totally not the flashiest prospect at all. Like I've seen him projected as just like a backup or a special teamer, but I mean, he really showed out at the combine. Like, I don't know how you can still say that at this point, but if you look at like the charts at every event, he's like near the top or at the top of every single one. Uh, 40, second, second overall, 1.71, 10 yard split, third, 34.5 inch vertical, first, nine, nine foot, eight inch broad jump, first, 7.3 second, three cone, first, 4.51, uh, 20 yard shuttle, first, 27 reps on the bench press, fourth. Okay. He's not the biggest dude anyway, but still fourth. Like, this is a guy that, like, you're probably raising your eyebrows a little bit, kind of went pretty quiet through this whole process, but. I think he made a little bit of a splash. I don't know how NFL scouts are not impressed with what we just saw from Jalen Redmond. Dude, I'm happy you brought him up because I'm so excited. I love when I watch – this is another reason the combine is important because you watch it and it might be a guy like that that you didn't even check out his film yet, right? But now yeah. something clicks in your head. You're like, oh, that guy deserves me watching his film because of how explosive and how good of an athlete he is. PFF has him as the 161 161- ranked uh, prospect in this draft. So you're right, like fourth, fifth, sixth round guy. But like with that performance, you have to think like somebody's going to take a risk on him in the yeah, second or someone's going to roll the dice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, another guy like that I had on here, um, again, like kind of maybe going outside of just the deep defensive interior going into edge was Byron Young out of Tennessee. Like, again, like maybe not, you know, the best edge prospect in here, but you know, we talked about Nolan Smith to open it up. Everybody's talking about Nolan Smith, rightfully so. But if you look at every event in the combine, Byron Young was breathing down his neck in almost every single category. So mainstream media might have taken notice to Nolan Smith and maybe not have taken notice of Byron Young, but I guarantee you scouts did. In his 40, right down, breathing right down Nolan Smith's neck. Nolan Smith, 4.3940. Byron Young with a 4.43. Now, if Nolan Smith's not there... We might be talking about Byron Young right now. Hmm. Um, the 10-yard split right behind him. Um, the vertical right behind him, just three inches behind him. Uh, the broad jump, uh, I actually beat Nolan Smith. So I think we see freakish athleticism out of Nolan Smith. I'm like, dude, Byron Young's like not that far behind at all. Dang, I missed him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check him out and see what he's about. Um, staying with Edge, I had Notre Dame Isaiah Foskey. Um, PFF 66th ranked prospect. And I kind of, after watching his film, I, I kind of wrote him off, not because I didn't think his film was good, 
but the two things combined of like maybe he's not the most athletic guy with PFF saying maybe he's more of like a second or third round pick. You know, I didn't pay as much attention to him. My my thoughts completely have changed after the combine. You know, 6'5", 264 is exactly the, kind of what you were saying about Miles Murphy, Bobby, right? It's like he is that prototypical size that you want in a, a top 10 edge. Um, and I, I really like his build. But besides that, he was top 10 in almost every single athletic test. And he's like 30 pounds heavier than everyone else that was near the top, right? Like a guy like Nolan Smith, who's 235 pounds. You know, that's a 30-pound difference. And for their, for their athletic scores to not be that different says more about the Notre Dame kid maybe than it does about the other guys. So yeah, true. That was impressive to me. I'll send you my tape. You send me yours. Yeah, sounds <laughs> good. Red, do you have anybody at Edge you want to mention? Besides, I think you guys, you guys covered. I, I was going to mention uh, Isaiah Foskey too. I kind of had the same exact take as you. Um, you know, wasn't quite in love with the tape, but yeah, he he impressed. Uh, I just think at all, there's just like this this edge class. There's a lot of eight out of tens. <laughs> it basically, but you know, to sum it all up with how we started the discussion and now. Lots of eight out of tens. Yeah, there's not that ten out of ten guy, at least in my opinion. But lots of lots of really good prospects, and uh, you know, depending on where they end up and how they develop, I think can can be some you know gems in the future. Um, so it's it's pretty deep. Okay. Is there anybody? Maybe let's just stay on edge real quick. Is there anybody that disappointed you? I mean, my, my biggest disappointment was from the edge class, but it wasn't somebody that didn't perform well. It was, again, kind of going back to what I said in the beginning of this, it was somebody that didn't perform at all. It was, again, it was Miles Murphy out of Clemson that really, really bummed me out. All you hear about with him is his freakish athleticism, and it would have been really good to see him compared to some of these other guys. Um, but, I mean, then again, like, yeah, we didn't see him at the combine, but, like, we also haven't seen him since his freshman year. Like, he was a stud in his freshman year, and then the last two years, like, sub 70 pff grades or around 70 pff grades and it's like okay i guess we should just get used to not seeing you then you know i don't know so that was a real bummer so i'm kind of along the same lines as you i really wanted to see zach harrison i know he got the the measurements done and he has super freakish arms or whatever but the whole thing on him was uh you know great athlete tape doesn't quite match up to that right he's got top 10 athleticism, but maybe third or fourth round type tape, right? So obviously you don't fix that by performing at the combine, but I still wanted to see it, right? Because we're probably going to get into this a little bit later, but there's a few prospects who kind of going into the combine had that same type of label, but then after the combine, you kind of see why it's like, oh, maybe he wasn't quite as athletic as we thought, right? Or at least he didn't test as well as as we thought he might. And that can maybe explain some of the things we see on tape and maybe that's where the mismatch was. And so I was just excited to, and curious to see Zach Harrison perform in drills. And I guess the same thing tweaked Tammy or something like that. So he only did the measurements and will perform at the pro day. So, um, you know, it just sucks. We got to miss out on that. You think some of those injuries are bullshit or you think that's like all real? No, nah, it's, it's, it can't all be real. I think it's just like, yeah, I'll do the pro day where we actually run 38 yards and, you know, yeah. the, the, the field's a little downhill slope slightly, so my time's a little faster and, you know, right. yeah. Booby like, Miles doesn't have to practice. He just, he just has to show up, you know, like, kind of yeah. like that thing. <laughs> yeah. I forget which <laughs> prospect it was, but they they did not run the 40 this past weekend, but they were like, oh, I'm going to perform at my pro day. And their pro day was in like eight days. I was like, oh, okay. So your hamstring's going to be just fine in a week. 
yeah. to run a 40. With a much more generous uh, clock. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like Bryce Young, right? He probably didn't want to perform anything because he's like 205 pounds. He's going to lose 15 pounds next week <laughs> and then he'll perform. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, I totally get that. I had, I had Miles Murphy too, Bobby, but I'll, I'll try to adjust and pivot a little bit here. I don't know why this guy didn't. There might be a very valid reason just because he's a West Point guy. But um, Andre Carter, don't know why he didn't perform. Haven't looked into it. Um, but when I watched his tape, it didn't impress me. Like, I, I keep seeing this first, second round projection. But he is, like, this very lengthy guy that I didn't see, like, NFL strength from him, from his film. I didn't even see maybe NFL speed from him. Um, and it was really disappointing. So, like, I, I, I want to see a guy like that show up to the Combine who put on 15 pounds of muscle after the season, you know, maybe he runs a four or five and like, you're like, Oh, okay. He has the athletic traits. But now that I didn't see that, I kind of stick to my guns where I'm like, his tape to me is more like a third, fourth round player than it is a first or second round player. You won't find disagreement for me there. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Cause I, you know, we actually, all three of us live semi close to West point. So like, we definitely want to root for a guy like that. Like it's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so linebacker. Bobby, you talked about uh, Simpson already. Um, Ray, maybe is there anybody else you wanted to mention? So, honestly, no. There was nobody that really stuck out as a huge surprise to me. I feel like linebacker is one of those positions where it's all about just where you're going to get drafted and how you're going to be used. No one really, like, blew like blew me away. Simpson tested well, and we kind of anticipated he would test really well, Right. So, or rather, you know, we anticipated that he's a great athlete type deal. So there was, there was nothing that, that I guess could have come out of someone like him that would surprise me. So honestly, no. And I don't think it's, it's a phenomenal linebacker class. I think it's just, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's just your run of the mill linebacker class. And I'm just looking at Bobby because this is just right in his wheelhouse. Yes. And I hate just kind of feeding right into that, but it's like, th there's not that superstar linebacker. And there usually isn't, right? And this, so this year is no different. But there was, you know, I guess it's slightly disappointing, but no one really stood out to me at that position as someone I'll go, oh, okay, I'll definitely either rewatch him or move him up my list of guys to watch over the next few weeks. Everyone just kind of held steady. I'm not smiling because I don't like linebackers. I'm smiling because <laughs> it's a little bit validating that I said it last week that the only way to improve is to pay free agent linebackers if you want to improve in 2023. So it's a little bit validating to hear you kind of say something that, you know, is a little bit similar. Yeah. So for our users out there, right, and those who are either going into a year two or uh, I guess a startup, you're probably not targeting any rookies. If you have a need there, maybe this does push you to go make a trade for someone at the linebacker's position if that's a weak spot for you. Because, yeah, I don't think there's any rookie coming through the door that's going to solve that for anyone. Well, I'm going to yeah. take Ray's take. Do you remember when he was talking about Stingley being like a – a two, three-year investment, you're not going to get the payoff right away. That's how I feel about this linebacker class. Like, I actually do think that there are talented guys here, maybe not with the elite traits that we're used to seeing, like the one or two guys have, but I really like Simpson. The guy that really impressed me was Jack Campbell. Not Jack Campbell, is that his name? Yeah, Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. Love this kid. 6'5", 250. Like, he, he's old school, right? Like, you think about, like, that old school linebacker. Like, this is the kid. He goes, like, when you watch his film, he comes downhill fast. He ran a 4'6", 440, again, at 250 pounds. Uh, that's not anything crazy, but his 37.5-inch vert, 10'8 uh, uh, broad jump was good for, I think, third and second, respectively. 
then his 6.743 cone would have put him third at, as, out of all of the prospects up to today that have performed. So outside of running backs, he was third at three cone. Like at 250, an Iowa linebacker, like that's pretty cool. Like that's really cool. I'm excited about that guy. Like I don't know where he's going to go. I have no idea what round, but I want him. Like whoever, who, like the Packers drafted linebackers last couple of years. They have a ton of investment. I don't care. Like if this guy's available in the second round, like I want this kid on my football team. Just throw as many darts at the position as you can, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, but I also want to clarify, clarify my point. I said in 2023, if you want to get better at linebacker, the answer is not here. But Correct. yeah, you're right, Chris. Two to three years, plenty of guys in there. Plenty of guys. Anybody could do it. Anybody could do it? <laughs> no, like anybody anybody could be that guy. Like we, we, don't, like we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think is a microcosm of the linebacker position in the league, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you, you, everybody's kind of there. There's not that super, especially with Micah Parsons now being sort of moved to a full-time edge. Who's that superstar outside of, you know, the top guys like a Fred Warner or something? The rest are kind of like, hey, there's there's lots of good ones in there, but no one that's like elite or on the verge of becoming elite. It's kind of like, you know, they're there. You hope you get a solid one and that, um, you know, that you get some steady performance because you're not going to, get like a super rare gem or something. I think a part of that, I think a part of that problem is that we're looking at these linebackers, right? And there's a bunch of them that are under 230 pounds that look great on tape and their athletic numbers are off the charts. They're going to come in the league and they're going to be asked to do so many weird and different things. Kind of like what you were saying about the scheme. Like it's going to be so scheme based. They're going to be asked to do all these things kind of like Isaiah Simmons. And it's really, Mm -hmm. really hard for a guy to do that, to be, this linebacker that can blitz, that can fill a gap and, and take on a guard, right? But then also run with a running back out of the backfield or run with some of these tight ends now that are basically wide receivers. Like, that's so difficult to do. And that's why when I look at a guy like Jack Campbell, who's 250 pounds and has those movement skills, maybe he goes into a scheme that asks him to be a little more realistic to a traditional linebacker, and that might grade better. To, to your point, Chris, and to validate your point, last year we said there was one linebacker that was 250-plus. That was Leo Chanel. Guess mm-hmm. who PFF's highest-graded linebacker was, rookie linebacker was last year? Leo Chanel. So, yeah, maybe, Chris, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the one guy you can maybe count on for some production on your All-22 team for this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing, it's not just covering running backs and tight ends and, and that sort of deal. Anthony Richardson's bigger than, like, almost all these linebackers now. So now it's like he, the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, now these guys are like bigger than the linebackers all of a sudden. So it's like these guys are asked to do a ton, and it's it's tough. It's I don't envy linebackers in the NFL today at all. No, seriously. Okay, but let's move to Friday, right? Friday was DBs and special teams. Um, so let's start. Same question: Which guys were you most excited to see perform? Well, let's start with the special teamers, huh? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was excited to see a lot of people perform. Uh, and a lot did. I, I almost don't even know where to start. Um, I, I wanted to see all the top guys. I think the guy who had the best day was Christian Gonzalez. Um, he looked, yes, he tested well and all that, but I mean, he looks fantastic in like the, the line turn drill. I mean, he had quick feet um, when he was, when they even did like that out route drill, he broke out of his, out of his backpedal really quickly. He checked pretty much every single box. He has good size. He's fast but he's also quick with his feet and he can turn really well. And that is, that is rare. Um, so right now, preliminarily, he was kind of like in that sort of cornerback one, cornerback two range for me. He, 
I guess it's hard to help yourself if you're already at the top of the class at your position, but he did not disappoint and he pretty much checked every single box. Before you start like rattling off more cornerbacks, I'm going to be really disappointed if you take the guy that I, that I have written down, who's Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Love him. Love him. I was so excited to see him come in and perform. Long athletic dude, three-sport athlete, football, basketball, baseball, like totally our kind of guy, right? Um, he played a lot of football, 700-plus snaps going back to 2020, and he had a better PFF grade in each of those seasons, 68.8 as a freshman, 78 as a sophomore, and 87.2 as a junior. So I, I think, you know, PFF says that he's a he's a played a lot of zone, but he's more of like a man guy. So, like, I'm really excited to see, like, I was really excited to see, like, a press man corner like him show up and show out um, and kind of compare himself to some of the better people, what people think or who people think are the better corners in the in the draft. I don't want to get into his specific results yet, but, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to see him. I'm going to quickly say something about what Ray said about Christian Gonzalez, not not necessarily being able to help himself because he was already one or two, but like I actually disagree. I think he did because I actually had as my number one guy Witherspoon who didn't get to perform, right? So like I think when you don't get to perform, you're already hurting yourself. But the thing that he did is weigh in and get his height measured, and he's like 180 pounds. And if you watch his tape, he tries to play like he's a 220-pound like safety sometimes, right? So – if you're telling me that Witherspoon weighed in at 180 pounds and it's going to try to be this bruising corner in the NFL and Christian Gonzalez, meanwhile, is measuring in at like six foot 195 or something like that. And is like running a four, three, seven. I think it helps. I think it helps. I think he's now clearly the number one guy. Interesting. So that, that and that's, that's fair. Um, the, the Witherspoon I actually had as, as a disappointment again, just cause you know, we didn't get to really see him. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to list another one here. Um, Riley Moss, a little bit off the radar, but he's super productive, um, was always around the ball uh, in college. He looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, same thing I wrote down here, just going through my notes. Looks good turning his hips, not a super athlete, but smooth and in control. And when you watch him on tape, he's just a smart player, right? So uh, that could be someone that I, I kind of wrote down here as someone who might get taken late in rookie drafts or maybe undrafted in a startup where in two years he's a starter somewhere and he's grading very well because he's just a smart player who just always does the right thing, right? So um, that that's a name I wrote down, maybe not a superstar player, right? Not someone who's going to be a top of mind uh, for many people when, you know, building their team and, and really um, building their secondary room. But I think that's someone who can be a quiet, a quietly nice surprise for someone who, who ends up landing him in our game. You have a player comp for him? You gonna make me say it? I want to see what you would say. It's it's going around the the Jason Seahorn thing. No way, man! That's such a <laughs> it's such a lazy comparison. I just wanted to see if you would say it. It's so lazy. I, I figured that that that's where you were going with it. Um, I, so if I if I if I if I'm not gonna say that, I I would say the size is a bit different. I think, but but maybe like it like a Desmond King, kind of that same type of. Hey, I'm smart. I'm, I'm around the ball. I'm not you know, super athletic. I'm not the fastest guy. I don't jump out of the gym, but I'm always around the ball. I'm smart. I can turn and run. I'm usually in the right position because of it. That's kind of how I see Riley Moss. Cool. Yeah. He's a, or he he's could just athletic. be Jason Seahorn. I don't know. He <laughs> <laughs> was also athletic as hell. I actually have his jersey. Yes. Yeah. You should wear it next episode. Yeah. 
Fun fact, another... he, told me had a, he told me he had a good arm when I was like eight years old. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. really cool. Not Riley I... Moss. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched Riley Moss's film yet. So he's like another guy that coming out of the combine, I'm going to go watch his tape. Like I'm, I'm super excited about that. But a guy that I did love his tape and was excited to see at the combine is uh, LT's nephew, Trivius Hodges Tomlinson. This kid is like electric. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen any of his film, but he's electric on tape. And he, you know, he's like five, eight, he's like tiny, but four, four, one forty. Like he's super athletic, 39 inch vert. Like, He's awesome. This kid's awesome. Like he's he's gonna be like one of my pet cats, Ray. I think uh, I think I'm gonna add him to my list. He better be athletic at that size because yeah, it's like a little mini mite running out there. But um, speaking with, if we want to continue with some smaller guys, right? Another one is uh, maybe not not quite that small, but certainly not you know six plus or anything. Is Clark Phillips, despite being um, you know on the smaller side, right? I, I, when just watching him kind of turn in the drills, he covers a lot of ground in his transitions despite being small. A lot of times, small corners, they'll look impressive because their feet are moving really quick, but they're not covering a lot of ground because, well, you know, they're not very long-limbed. But Clark Phillips, just the, the way he kind of transitions, he seems to cover a lot of ground with that first step out of his turn so that he doesn't give up a lot of separation uh, at the top of routes, which is what you see on film, which is why he's so sticky, so to speak, right? So um, I, to see him in the drills, he sort of validated that for me. And so that just, when you see that at, at the combine, right, it kind of makes you just feel a little bit more at ease in, in potentially drafting someone like that, despite the size concerns that you might have, you know, on the upfront. Okay. Sounds like you, Ray. Like I'm actually a little more handsy, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're very you're, handsy. Yes. You're definitely more handsy. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I can keep going. I got tons more. You, you have some more. Keep going, dude. Keep going. All right. So let's, um, I'll go away from the, from the small guys for a second. Um, Deontay Banks turned really well too. I, I wanted to see that, um, you know, the turn to 45 degree and then kind of track the deep ball. I thought he did that very well. Um, and then Cam Smith out of South Carolina, same thing, turns well, moves well, and looked to have some pretty good length, not like someone like Forbes or Joey Porter Jr. who might get into a bit later, but um, moved well, kind of just validated what you saw too. So if you haven't noticed, kind of what I look for when I look at the DBs at the combine is I want to see how well they turn and sort of start and stop. I think that's very important. And many times if they're just big and fast in college, their competition might not always stress them in that type of way that NFL receivers will. And that, you know, therefore they have to turn well, and they have to transition much better than they did at the college level. So that's something I really look for in, in young DBs and young corners in particular. And so those are some of the guys that did really well in that regard. Banks is somebody for me that like his film was, was a little disappointing considering like where I was seeing him go and like uh, people's takes on him. Like, Honestly, to me, he seemed more like a safety than a corner, the way he plays football. Um, but the combine saved him, right? Like, it's like he put up incredible numbers. So I'm thinking there will be a team that takes a risk on him. And it also, again, it makes me, triggers me to then go and watch his film again. Maybe maybe I'll have a different take this time around. Yeah, watching Maryland film is not very fun, but yeah. not from this past year. Uh, <laughs> but they do have some talented guys like in spots and he's, he's one of them. And so, yeah. Sure. And Joey Porter Jr. You, you kind of touched on him really quickly, but he's a guy that people are, some people have him as the number one. I think he's probably in that top three corner range this year. 
Uh, he, he had a really good performance as well. Did you have any notes on him? So I have him in two, three. I wanted to see him in the drills because I knew he would obviously measure really well. I knew he would run fast. Some people kind of looked and, and thought he would be a four five guy. I think it was four four seven was his time. That's kind of right about where I had him. Um, the the thing about Joey Porter Jr. I have him like corner two three, and I think what separates him from some guys that maybe were taken later in drafts previously that end up doing well, like uh, a Tariq Woolen, for example, right? Tall, long, fast, right? Um, but yet they they fall to round three or four, and you kind of wonder why, right? Yet someone like Joey Porter Jr. is already being mocked in the first round when he has sort of that same build and those same traits uh, is he's very smart, right? So yes, the sort of, I don't want to say lazy because it fits somewhat. Um, scouting report is, you know, big, long, fast, relatively, right? So he's a press corner type guy, right? Um, press cover three, but he's also very, very smart in zone. He has a great feel for routes. He knows just when to kind of carry someone up the field if he's got the flat, for example, and then when to stick his foot in the ground and and break on something in front of him, uh, you know, when, when it's time to sort of leave his assignment, so to speak. He's got great football smarts, which kind of makes sense because, you know, his father was like an all pro. Um, he's been around the game his whole life. So I think that's the difference there. And that's not something you're going to see in the combine. So what I did want to see outside of how big and fast he was, was how did he do in those drills where he does have to turn and run and then, you know, sort of break uh, out of his pedal uh, because you don't see a lot of off man coverage on his tape. Uh, there was some of that against Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's like basically a Decepticon, right? So it's almost like, and he performed pretty well, right? So um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see that. So I still have him in that sort of cornerback two, cornerback three range for me. He didn't really move up or down, um, but it's good to know he did run in the four fours and he didn't, you know, he didn't slip in, in that regard. Okay. Yeah. And, and watching his film, he's somebody that like, to me, kind of had like a, like he, he lacked a little polish on some of his plays. Like he's always where he needs to be. He was always like, you know, technically sound, but then it, when it was like the opportunity to finish the play and, and make the big play, he like kept missing. Like it, when I was watching his film, it was consistent. He kept missing. What that kind of tells me is there's more to, to unlock with him, right? Like there's more talent in there than he showed on his college film. So I love that about him, but I'm going to ask you a, a question. Cause I know you don't like this guy, but uh, Kelly Ringo had a great combine, right? 6'2", 207 pounds, ran a 4'3", 6". Uh, when you watch his film, he's probably not the most fluid athlete out there. He kind of looks stiff. His hips look tight. But I wanted to see Ray, Bobby, whoever, did you see anything at the combine that made you think maybe you would give him a shot as like maybe a second-round corner? So Ringo actually made me feel more confident in my evaluation of him. And like you said, he's big, he's fast. My whole question was, why does he continue to give up separation? He almost got picked on, basically, in that Georgia defense. And I get it. Pretty much everyone else on that Georgia defense is a five-star, you know, phenomenal player. So you're going to pick on someone. But he, he was a very leaky corner. And I was just trying to figure out why he gives up so much separation at the top of routes. And the combine kind of validated that for me. So uh, my note that I that I wrote down on Ringo when watching was flips well, but he's high in his back pedal. Likely why he gives up separation at the top of his routes because he then has to take an extra step out of that break. His second step is quicker than his first. So seeing that and then going back to the tape, 
that's where the separation comes from. He's, he's not transitioning as smoothly as he can. And then once he does get going, yes, then you see that speed. So if you, if you maybe throw it to his side late, he can make you pay for it because of that speed and athleticism. But if, you know, if you're going against a great receiver and a good quarterback and their timing is down pat, he's going to give up plays because he doesn't transition well. So it kind of validated things for me. And then his, his vert, his vertical jump wasn't the greatest, but um, you know, he's a big corner and, and that's fine. I mean, I think the broad was a bit better. So um, I don't ding him too much for that, but I kind of saw why he's not sticky as a corner, despite being bigger and faster than pretty much whoever he was lined up against in college. Those are all good points. Yeah. And, and what you said about his footwork makes a lot of sense. I saw a lot of stiffness in his hips. So I was super disappointed. He didn't do any of the, uh, the lateral drill, drills, right? Everything w- was, was straight. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely disappointed there. I wish I, I wish I could have seen him do the three cone. Yeah. And so I didn't have him in the first round of the, just the standard NFL draft, right? I didn't have him in the first round going into this and, he didn't make me move him up. So I think I'm going to keep him as a day two guy. So if I'm in a rookie draft in, in all 22, right, that's that's probably a late round type guy, maybe round five and thereafter, if I want to take a shot on him. Um, I just think there's a lot to clean up. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversation about the corners so far. It just goes to show you there's a lot of good players in here in this class. So, you know, I won't reach on someone I'm not so sure on like a Ringo until very late. Okay. Any other corners you want to touch on, anyone? I mean, I did say I was most excited to see Emmanuel Forbes, but I was also most impressed with him. 4.3540, that was third overall. 1.48 10-yard split, that was second. And then came fifth in the vert. Like, totally backed up everything that you thought you saw from him at Mississippi State. Kind of see that come through in the combine, go apples to apples with a really athletic group. I mean, how many guys ran in the 4.3s, sub 4.4s? You know, and to see him right up there was really impressive. Where do you see a guy like him going? Do you think he can slip into the first round, or do you think he's more of like a second, third round guy? So bold predictions were supposed to be at the end of this podcast, Chris, <laughs> but, since, but since you asked. Um, so my bold prediction was Emmanuel Forbes to the Giants, guys. Lock it in. No, just kidding. Although that would make a lot, it would make a lot of sense to have a press man guy like that, and a Wink Martindale defense would be awesome. But – my bold prediction is that Forbes is not only in the first round, because right now he's projected outside the first round. I think he's one of the top three or four cornerbacks taken because of his length and because of his athleticism. Wow. Okay. That is, that's a, that's a really strong take, but I like it. I like it. That's what we're here for. Um, Ray, anything else from you on corners? I don't want to turn this into a jo- no more Joey Porter. No more Penn yeah, no State. Say, I don't want to turn this into a Joey, Joey Porter Jr. episode. So, you know, in the um, beginning of this, you weren't talking about him at all. And I was like, oh, wow, like Ray's doing good. I'm not talking I'm not about the Giants. Be. He's not talking about Penn State. And then we totally just obliterated that. Mm-hmm. So the only – I had a couple more notes, but I have Jacorian Bennett, I think, is the other Maryland corner. I think his unofficial was 428, and it got changed to, like, low 43 or something like that. Um, so I wrote down, looks really fast, doesn't look great turning. That's why it wasn't a household name before this. Um, Brian Branch, nickel guy, not an outside corner. Looks kind of like a safety. Meh. So that's just that's just the end of my. I don't, uh, I don't my get the hype. Notes. I don't get the hype on Brian Branch. I don't. I don't see it in his game. I don't see it like in his athletic ability, his size, his speed. It's just there's nothing there that like 
really, really gets me excited because I'm seeing him listed as cornerback one on like people's boards, like cornerback one and, and supposedly it's a nickel corner and you're going to have him as cornerback one. I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. No, but, late day two guy. That's how I see it. Yeah. If that. Uh, people have to the Packers at, in the first. And it's like, <laughs> it's killing me. Um, is there any safeties? Moving to safeties. Is there anybody at the safety position? I think that would kind of go into my biggest disappointments. Um, cool. So like you guys know, I'm, I'm not a Gator fan, but I do have a sp- soft spot for them growing up a Gator fan. Mm-hmm. So it was really disappointing to see both of their safeties, Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance, run four seven plus forties, which is a little bit expected, but also like really bad. Um, but like just in general, with the exception of ben- bench press, they were in the middle to bottom of nearly every event. And to see that, it's really troubling, right? But to add to it, we just saw tight ends yesterday, and those guys are getting pretty freaky. So I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's really it was really disappointing to see those two guys perform so poorly. Chris, can, do you have anyone before I, I do mine? Because I don't want to I want to belabor the, a point here. The only safety <laughs> I had is that Brian Branch is a safety and he's not a corner, and uh, I, I kind of liked Antonio Johnson. I think he was like the guy at the safety position so far that I'm like, I think he could be good. But after last year's class where there was probably like eight safeties that I was in love with and thought any, any one of them could be really good and could end up being a top 10 safety in the league. This draft, I don't know if there's a single one. Yeah. Last year was the, was a safety class to, to get in on. Right. So if, if you're in a startup and you're trying to go young, get last year's safeties, don't reach for someone in this class. Um, I wrote down two names. The first one was Sidney Brown tested well, but he's short. And it's one of those things. It's like, well, you can't help that. And I'm not sure how, how well he's going to fare deep downfield, uh, especially like you mentioned, these tight ends getting freaky right down the seam. You got a six, seven guy, you know, down the seam there. How's he going to, how's he going to fare there? Right. So I'm not super high on him despite him testing well. And I'm not sure he's like a, like a nickel type either. So uh, tested well, but he didn't really move the needle for me in that regard. Uh, I wrote down in general safety is just totally nonchalant and the best ones going in didn't test great. And of course that I think the name that was sort of getting some hype uh, during the, the, the combine broadcast was Jair Brown out of Penn state, but, and he wasn't expected to test well, so that's not really his game. Uh, but still, I think like a four, six, six forty. That's just sort of what you're getting in the safety class. It's this, this just isn't the right class, right? So if someone like that is the top guy and you look at last year, right? His running mate in that same secondary was Jaquan Brisker, who got taken in the second round, I think mid-second round last year. Um, and he's, to me, a clearly superior prospect than Brown is this year. That just kind of goes to show you again where this safety class is. I don't think you're going to... Um, find many defensive cornerstones in this class. Now, of course, there's lots of names. So of course, someone's going to emerge, right? They always do, regardless of the strength of a draft class, so to speak. But you're not seeing those high-end prospects that I think are going to go in the top 50 picks or so in this class. You don't really see that at the safety spot this year. I was hoping you would bring up Jair Brown so I wouldn't have to be the one to bring him up, but it is what it is. No, no, I didn't. And I'm, like I said, I was just really disappointed in the safety class and turned on some film, didn't love anybody, saw the combine numbers, didn't think anything stood out. So it was just kind of disappointing. Like I, 
I, I don't want to belabor it and talk about it more. There was, there was really nothing for me, but Bobby, did you have anything else? No, just those two guys. Okay. And Bobby, we heard your, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say one name. The combine wasn't spectacular. It didn't stand out to me. I know this is combine specific, but I'll just throw out a name because we're being a bit negative on the safeties right now. Right. I like Jordan battle. I kind of always have didn't test off the charts, but I like his game and I didn't expect him to test off the charts anyway. Right. But uh, just a name to stow away if if you are looking at safeties this year. I, I kind of like them. Okay. That's cool. safety out of Alabama. And we're, and we're going to do an episode where we rank these guys, like our uh, our draft takes of, of how they would land. So, like, there will be some safety talk. It's just, you know, I think from the combine, there wasn't much that I thought was noteworthy. Um, Bobby, you already gave us your hot take. Did you have any others that you wanted to mention? No, that's just the one. Okay, t- Giants draft in a corner. Wasn't a hot take as a bold prediction, but a little different. <laughs> Ray, what about you? Ooh, my hot take. Um, I'm gonna say we're we're sticking with defense this episode, so I'm gonna say no defensive tackle outside of Jalen Carter gets taken in the top twenty picks. Wow. I think Brian Brucey goes top 10. I'm going to be honest. I do. I don't know if he actually will because people are saying he won't, but like if I was an NFL team, I definitely would take him top 10. I think he's that good. Is that your prediction? All right. No, no, that's not my prediction. I think my prediction would be, I kind of said it before, but I think there's eight edge players that are going to go in the first round. Like I could see eight guys go in the first round. I think that's a pretty bold prediction. So I'll, I'll go with that. And that's it. Any, anything else? Time to watch no, the offensive good. guys. Cool. Yeah, I know. We're, we're missing it right now, guys. <laughs> yeah, you got to turn it on. And th- because the, the offense will be done today, does that mean potentially we're going to be doing like two podcasts this week? Or are we going to be a little special this week? Do two? Double pods? Let's, yeah, oh, yeah. Down. let's do it. I'm about it. Cool. All right, so you'll be hearing from us later in the week. But thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at all22 underscore PFF. And I left off TikTok, but you can find us there too. Uh, Leave a review wherever you watch this podcast, whether on YouTube or listening in on Apple, Spotify, or Google. All right, everyone, enjoy the rest of the the, uh, combine. We'll talk to you soon.